Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first coffee club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Forged in combat and tailored for hunters, Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can now take Spartan Forge with you wherever you go by downloading the mobile app. Enjoy deer prediction analysis, weather forecasts, historical data, detailed journaling, as well as crisp maps. It's time for you to make the most of your season and let Spartan Forge do that for you. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20%. Check it out over at spartanforge.ai.
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. On today's episode, Dimitri and I, we were joined by Dwayne Jones of Shed Season. It was a great pleasure having Dwayne on the podcast to talk about what Shed Season is all about and what you can expect from them for the next 10 weeks with giveaways and all kinds of stuff. Dwayne shared some general advice for finding sheds, how he runs his trail cameras to help locate bucks that are dropping, and the importance of supplementation right now and a bunch of other topics. This was a fun and easy discussion where our hour went by really, really fast. We can't wait to dive back into this before turkey season to see where he's at with his sheds and how he's gearing up for turkey season. Thanks again, everybody, for the support. Have fun listening. Antler up. Dwayne Jones, we we represent shed season. It is that time. Yep. It is kicking off. Actually, today I was just telling Dimitri, I had a... After work today, I ended up going in the woods, a spot where Friday I saw, after for my wife and I, we actually went out for dinner, and as we're driving by this one field, I was like, whoa, there's about 12 to 15 deer just in that field. Uh, I might go in there early next week when, I, when I'm done with work. So today presented itself, and no sheds found, but a couple different spots, and we kind of, Dimitri and I, we kind of hunted around that area, but not that specific spot, and saw a couple cool, yeah. like, new little you know nooks and crannies where you know coming here in the next couple of weeks and an afternoon we could definitely i think get into uh some cool things but uh you know just yeah. getting excited like you said it's that time that time of year for finding some sheds yeah man we're getting excited for sure um same here watching trail cameras close and in the last week and a half i would say we finally started to have some bucks shed it's seems like it's been a little late here in indiana yeah um we had a super mild winter like all of december was pretty mild yep. and up until just the last couple of weeks it's it's been pretty warm so they've held on to them but finally they, we're starting to see them drop so nice. getting fired up and antsy to get out yeah we what i mean i think we've had a mild winter as far as like in december and then january hit and that's when i think we started getting yeah it got pretty cold yeah. january we got a lot of snow so it's hard to say. I mean, we don't really have many control yeah. cameras out to see if bucks right. are still holding. I mean, I haven't seen any personally, so yeah. I would say most of the bucks probably have dropped by now. So to kind of go back on that story about Friday, uh, I didn't have. I haven't had a chance to even uh, tell you this, Dimitri. But so my daughter was at my in-laws' house, and we drove by there, and as we're driving on the road. I'm slowing down, and it's a small little town, so you're able to do this. It's not like a big highway or anything like that. And as I'm slowing down, I go, "Head, there's a deer." I said, "Oh, there's two deer." And as soon as I I've stopped the car right in the middle of the road, and about I don't know, 12 yards away from me is a nice buck. I'm going, "Dude, what are you doing? Still holding your headgear?" I said, "And get away from the road." And then behind him, like 15 yards, you see like a spike, and he's all like, you could see he's like trying to trot away, and this. The other guy's just like staring at me, like what? Like what's the matter, dude? Like I'm still here. I'm like, gosh. I'm like, dude, drop your bone. So I know I'm gonna be yes. kind of. I know we're, we we could walk around because we've been wanting to do that area too. So, but yeah. So I think summer's still holding. One of my colleagues, she uh, she has a nice little property, and she's been saying too that she saw a couple bucks still holding. And I'm like, dang. 
because I told her what I was going to do today. She's like, nah, I don't think you're going to find anything. And Miss <laughs> Ann was right. <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah. I went out on yep. Saturday for a walk, and I actually found a, fr- a fresh rub. Yeah. And, you know, still had the shavings on the ground, and it was pretty fresh. So I was surprised. I yeah. thought maybe I would find a shed kind of if he's rubbing like that. But yeah. <clears throat> What do you got going on, Dwayne? As far as Buck's shed are still holding? Yes. Yeah, so I'm running cell cameras, so um, – until we can get into this if you want to. But my wife and I a year ago bought an 80-acre farm. And so it's been a year of, like, trying to make improvements and figure out just just basically learn it. But mm-hmm. we've been running feed ever since season went out. And so I've had probably, I don't know, eight or ten different bucks that have been consistent there every single day between the – we have an acre and a half of staining beans, um, probably a half acre of brassicas, and then running big time. And I would say in the last week, we finally had two of the decent bucks shed out. But like just tonight, I had a new three-year-old show up, a pretty good, I don't know, 140-inch nine-point, both wow. sides still. Um, I would say 60 or 70% of our bucks here are still holding. That's a lot, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think where it we're at, lot. yeah, I think where, where we are located, I think we're the same. But, well, Dwayne, let's, let's hop into it. Let's get people to know who you are, man. I know we kind of just went down a little rabbit hole <laughs> just – talking and catching up and, and all that type of stuff it's good to see you again and it's been uh, a whole little, too, little month since ata and stuff uh, uh hopefully you got out of ata all healthy and everything like that so how did that yeah, go for did. you did you nice good for you yeah yeah it was a good time got to meet a lot of people it was really great yeah, I I had a blast. It, it was great, and I I didn't get sick at all. I know a lot of people got sick, and I we got the like little little head cold from my daughter, and kind of was going around that way. And I was past the fourteen days of the everybody getting COVID and everything, so I was like, all right, we're right. all right on, you know. But all right, Dwayne, why don't yeah. you uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Talk about like who you are, what what you got going on with shed season, and and then uh, kind of also explain what shed season is and and what's happening right now with you guys yeah so um i guess background wise i I work in the water industry so actually i I am a salesman for a waterworks company i cover all the northern indiana and for the past three years uh, we just moved home a year ago but i had worked for a small a small factory here in wabash indiana which is my hometown Uh, they had sent my wife and i and, and our family to the carolinas actually in 2017 to cover north and south carolina for them and when we took that leap and went down there, it was kind of like, I almost felt like I left hunting here in a way mm-hmm. because we didn't know anybody. We were starting completely over. And so for three years, it was like being incredibly homesick, you know, seeing all my buddies here doing what I love to do and not being able to do it. And it was a struggle, but it was, it was the right career move, I think. And uh, so a year ago, we got to move home. I'm covering all of Northern Indiana. And and trying to get kind of back into things, TJ Eads, which actually owns Rack Hub and is the one that started Shed Season, uh, he and I have been good friends for a lot of years, and he had reached out and pitched the idea and asked if I wanted to be involved, and of course I did. So we have started to, over the last six months or so, build up to the kickoff of Shed Season. And what Shed Season is, is, is right now it's kind of just a community thing. We're running it on all of our social platforms and just trying to basically get people engaged. Like there's a lot of shed hunting Instagram pages or Facebook pages and stuff like that. Um, we just want to get a little more involved or a little more engagement, I guess. Like we want to put out, 
some stuff where people can learn maybe a little bit, some tips and tricks, but also we've partnered with a lot of brands and we're going to, we're actually going to host 10 weeks of giveaways. Um, and, and we're not talking like giving away t-shirts and stickers. It's going to be like 500 to a thousand dollars a week for 10 weeks in a row of stuff from first light, lacrosse boots, vortex, some big, big companies. So got some really fun stuff coming up and, just, I mean, I'm absolutely ate up with shed hunting and have been for years and years. And so it's pretty cool to have a platform to express that and just have fun with it and get people involved. And that's kind of what we're doing. I'm super excited about it. That's really neat. Now, like you said, I, it, I think the last couple of years, even our, our really good friends up in New York, uh, they have a podcast called the Pertinier Outdoor Podcast. And uh, last year they did a thing, uh, a contest kind of just to not necessarily like a sweepstakes, you know, just a, a straight up contest of like, was it a match set and biggest yeah, uh, I think, uh match set and then I think single single antler yeah so but this year they they changed yeah. it but even like last year um they kept some things the same so some of the things that were the same is it's an entry fee of buying a t-shirt of thirty dollars but with that thirty dollars um you're getting a fr- uh, membership to the NDA uh, and and just kind of building upon yeah. that and they they did some some uh giveaways last year but this year. Uh, we actually donated to some of our some of our stuff, and uh, it's it's not necessarily a contest. It's just go out there, you know, you know, buy a t shirt, support, get the NDA membership, and they're going to uh, kind of do just like a raffle, you know, just kind of like how you were saying. So one yeah. big thing. So all, there's all different things going out there, which is kind of cool. And uh, like you said, it's just bringing that community of of shed hunting and like together like that. Yeah, and, and too, like in the past, you know, like there's a lot of people that have done shed season giveaways or, or stuff like that, but a lot of times it's been it's been condensed to a weekend or something mm-hmm. like that, and, you know, it may be great weather in Iowa, and here in Indiana we may have a foot of snow and not be able to get out <laughs> and pr- really participate in it. So that's why we wanted to run this over the – and, too, like the 10 weeks we'll cover shed season here in the Midwest, but also we'll get into – they goes those guys out west finding elk sheds and muley sheds and stuff like that um and then too like another thing we're doing i've started doing every monday we're posting shed stories mm-hmm. so folks from you know all over the outdoor industry are sending in stories of their favorite shed and it may be um you know a set of sheds that were given to somebody or your biggest set you found or just unique stuff and we've had a lot of fun with that it's been really cool to hear some stories come in from all over the place yeah well you so have just a, having fun with it dimitri has a really cool story that the chapter ended un- well fortunately unfortunately i guess you could say on, on a buck huh yep so i found a shed what was that three years ago yeah um, you know, here in PA, it's a little tougher to find some sheds on, on public ground. You know, the, the buck volume is just not as, as big as, you know, some other areas and we don't have the ag field to kind of concentrate all the deer into one area. So, you know, I was just, yeah. I was basically just doing scouting at that point, you know, and that was kind of the beginning of the pandemic, maybe I think. So I had a little bit more time on my hands. Um, but Maybe it was the year before. I can't remember. Uh, I think yeah, it I think it was the week. year before. Uh, but I, you know, just stumbled upon this shed. And I, I, you know, it was a decent small four-pointer on one side. And, you know, didn't think of it as, you know, a buck I was going to target or anything. It was just kind of, I think it was actually my first real shed that I found, you know, because I never really did a lot of scouting in the, the spring. It just was a thing I never really did or didn't have the time. And, um, you know 
we're all growing and learning. So I've been kind of trying to get out there and do a little more scouting early on. And, uh, you know, and then over the years, we this buck stuck around, which is kind of unusual. And, you know, we had trail camera pictures of him the next year. And I remember I was holding up the shed and uh, to my computer screen, you know, I was kind of seeing if it was the same buck and it looked identical, just bigger. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> yeah. And then we kind of saw him a couple times in archery season. I had a really close encounter with him at 50 yards. You had an encounter Encounter. with him. And then my dad actually had an encounter with him. Um, And, you know, that was it, that that we didn't kind of see him in rifle season at all. And, you know, for a bucket that caliber to make it through rifle season in our area is really tough, really tough. And uh, with the amount of hunters in rifle season. And then it came on to this year, and we – Got Boom! Right trail, away. Yep, she got the trail cameras out there. First pull, there he was. And we kind of knew too, like like wow. J- just to kind of go off of that, Dwayne, like Demetri and I. Demetri's like, dude, I know exactly where we gotta go because that you know at the end of last, obviously not this season, but the previous, where you were scouting, you found that rub line. And you're like, I I know it's him. You know, just because of encounters and just betting and just you know just the property layout of this public ground. He, you were like, let's let's put up our trail camera here because that's kind of too in the vicinity where in the years past we would get him on camera as well, and like immediately because it was we had some cell cameras and it was boom there he was. Yeah, and I it was it was funny because it was kind of the first <laughs> time. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of the first year that I you know was starting to learn a pattern of a certain buck just because you know deer are so in and out in our area and with rifle season and you know we never target a specific buck year after year it's usually when we pull a velvet camera you know pictures we're like okay this is a buck caliber that we're after and it's kind of different year to year Uh, but i was kind of learning this deer's pattern where his bedroom was where he was bedding the way he traveled each year his kind of his rub line was very similar um so it was kind of neat just kind of having that history and and kind of putting the pieces together on this buck and you know you know it was just waiting on making the right move this year and um he only daylighted one time for my dad and he came to about 70 yards and just no shot opportunity. And then eventually the first day of rifle, my dad shot him and, um, is going to get him mounted. So it's a pretty yeah. cool story. You know, yeah. it's, he's, he's not going to be the biggest buck. That is awesome. Yeah. It's not going to be the biggest buck that scores, but I mean, just the history alone on that mountain to have him around, yeah. uh, for three or four years is just pretty awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. That's super awesome. I think too, what's fascinating about that, like as we replay that and we've told that story before is there are, there is certain, you could just see the homebody that he was in the pockets that he knew where he probably felt safe. Cause like Dwayne, just to kind of give you a, a kind of quick visual, just imagine like your typical PA wooded, big, big wood kind of atmosphere. You got ridges and, there was really and just a lot of pressures when it comes to gun hunting, just drives and I, I yeah. just to this day I just still I can't believe it because the first time that I hunted with Dimitri was probably rifle season, quote unquote, was that year you found this shed maybe like that I hunted rifle down there with you and I just remember that first day going like whoa there's people everywhere you know like not just driving like. St- up in the stand because he and I, we already had our buck tag filled that year. And it's just, I don't know. So I, it, again, I, 
testament to that deer of, of how he was able to, to live for so long. And I mean, like Dimitri said, as far as like big, he was, he was, uh, he had mass to him though. You could tell he was an old mountain buck and, uh, it, it, it's just a cool story of like Dimitri said, we never, that's the first deer for us here, quote unquote, to where we've had a, been, been able to have a history w- with a one specific buck. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> that's, that's some of what we want to like capture or express through shed season is how mm-hmm. awesome that is. Yep. You know, like I think it almost gets brushed over because it's so common in some of the Midwestern States for guys to have three or four years of sheds to a deer. But like for me, I've never, I've never got to, to have that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I just think there's something really, really cool with finding a shed and seeing that same deer next year and see how, seeing how he changes and, and maybe like learning the significance of why did you find the shed where you did? Right. Um, there's just something really, really cool about it. And, and yeah, we want to express that and, you know, have it be, a, have a platform for people to share that stuff. Just, it's awesome. Yeah. No, I like that. Now, with with the contest coming up for you and the sweepstakes and all that type of stuff, and what advice do you give people that that might be coming to the page and be like, oh man, shed, try, find, trying to find sheds like kind of like Dimitri and I, like we said, we we go out, we'll scout, and like I know Dimitri said, you know, earlier on, you know, he he didn't scout much, but now it's all, all you know, you get out as much as you can, and the same here to go for looking for sheds is also a scouting trip. You know what I mean? So. We kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, that we, we, it's two in the same, I think, you know, what kind of advice do you, do people, you know, maybe seek out to you or questions that you get maybe on, on Instagram or what advice do you, could you give for people just, uh, be like, how do I even freaking find one? <clears throat> so like right now I would say my number one advice would be just be patient because like I said, it's going to be different everywhere. Uh, you know, I talked to Brad Beaver today in Iowa, and, and they, they're the opposite of us. I would say they have 70 or 80% of their bucks are shed, so it's time to get in there and, and log miles. But for me, there's a couple bucks, like good ones that are shed, and I know they are, and I want to go get them. But at the same time, 70% of them are still holding. And if I go in there tomorrow, I'm going to blow those deer out, and they may be, may be gone a couple of days. They may be on a couple of weeks. And, you know, they're going to shed out on somebody else if that's the case. So right now I'm playing the waiting game of I'm going to wait until most of them are shed out before I go in there and, and really start logging miles. But like you said, just paying attention while you're out driving around mm-hmm. over the years, that's one thing we've really done. Uh, try to look for cover crop fields here. I don't know how it is, it, you know, NPA or anything like that. But, you know, if you can find the food source, you're going to find all the deer, period. I mean, uh, a few years ago, there was there was a farmer here close. My brother was driving by there every day and was like, man, there's 60 or 70 deer in this field every night. And so we drove down there, and, and the, the farmer had planted canola, which I'd never even heard of. But as a cover crop, they planted canola, and legit, there were deer coming from miles to feed in this field. So we called the farm up, got permission to shed hunt it, and it was unbelievable. It was one of those places where you go, and we would get on a high spot in this field in glass, and before we even took off and walked, we'd find seven or eight sheds sometimes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's all, it's all a matter of find the food and just be patient. You know, whether you're running cameras or if you can get out in an evening and just look and see, try to, try to decide how many deer still hold them. If most of them have shed, get in there and, and put some miles on, but otherwise just be patient. No, that's good. I mean, I always remember like the first time I I started like looking in, up information. It was just like the good and bad. Like just walk, <laughs> you know. Like yeah, don't really necessarily have like a strategy. You know what I mean? And that's where I was saying like yeah. it, you kind of 
like kind of being going off of like what you're saying, Dwayne. I wanted to get outside today. It, you know, the sun was out. Yes, it wasn't like warm by any means. It was still like in the 30s, but it was the sun was out, and I just wanted to go. But I also needed to do a couple other things outside. I get a couple photos for certain things, and uh, so I got that taken care of. So I made it a double trip, right? And uh, yeah, but I think you know, I think it's still how you're saying it's time to be patient because it could still. I mean, these deer are still high on edge a little bit. You know, they're they had it getting pressured until January with us, whether you're going muzzleloader or or late archery season. Then it got really super cold, and I mean, shoot, our our late season finally ended about one month ago. So kind of like what you're saying, I yeah. I'm, I think once March that second week of I guess that would be. Penn State spring break that's the sixth I think that's kind of going to be the bread and butter of when to maybe get start getting in there the snow will hopefully still be gone by that point you know will be gone by that point so I think that's the the key thing yeah I, I know typically aside from running cameras and seeing like uh, TJ at the end of January the his number one deer TJ eats the owner of mm-hmm. the deer that he hunted all season long um he had actually got to shoot at didn't recover the deer he lived and he had pictures of him like the last week of january he totally shut out it's number one so obviously went in there and he, he found one of his sheds so that's a kind of a different scenario um if you have big deer that you know of shed and you don't mind spooking other deer get in there and get after him but typically for us about the third week of february mm-hmm. is when we really start to go another week from now is probably when i'll start going as long as the snow melts off which it looks like it's gonna um, and then too, like you were talking about kind of making it a two for one, you needed to get some stuff done and shoot some content anyway. Uh, at my farm, I, we really need to get in there and frost seed some clover and frost seed some switchgrass. And so as soon as some of this snow melts off and we have the weather to do that, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in there and get that stuff done. And at the same time, I'm going to put some miles on and see what we can find. Yeah. So, well, and I know that the, the time frame isn't the best for sheds, but I got out on Saturday and I was, you know, just wanted to do a little scouting trip. My kids were taking a nap. It was a perfect time for me to get out of the house. The The snow's still a little deep here in PA on the mountain, so mm-hmm. it was a little tough walking. But, you know, e- even if you're not looking for a shed specifically with a little bit of snow on the ground, I mean, I, I kind of was dumbfounded a little bit because of why I haven't done this more often in the past. It's like some of the deer pattern I've kind of, you know, that I've kind of seen – actually during the season was the same in the late season here right you know and i was like man if i kind of would have done this earlier i wouldn't have to waste sits basically quote unquote Mm -hmm. you know to figure this out right Right. i would have kind of already known this and be able to put a game pattern together and you know because it was funny i'd kind of walk this one ridge where we kind of saw that buck from you know previous years and um you know went on the ridge where where he was kind of traveling from his bed um and there was like a highway of deer you know other deer were using that same trail in and out of the bedding area um you know so i set up a camera there and um and i was kind of then working my back way back into the bedding area and you know right there again where I shot my buck and I've talked about this, there was a little pinch point kind of found that you would never see on the map. You you would have to put feet on the ground, boots on the ground to kind of figure this out just because there were some rock formations that unless you were standing there, you wouldn't really right. be able to see. Um, and I actually got to the tree where I shot my buck and I was just kind of looking around. 
again, right at that pinch point, there was multiple deer tracks. There were some nice bigger prints too. Like I didn't find a shed, but I would guess that like one or two of those prints were probably bucks. How come you didn't send me your hand next to it? Yeah. <laughs> That's my pet peeve. <laughs> I can't stand any more of those pictures. But, you know, so you're, you're learning things, right, at this time where if you don't care about sheds, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's a great opportunity to see how those deer are moving, right? Yeah. You see that it's an easy way to see the, their, their paths and the, the way that they're taken. If you know a specifically general bedding area, you're going to be able to see where those trails are, and then you can mark them. And then kind of start game planning of what you want to do camera wise uh, coming into the next months in the summer. Right. No. Yeah, that, that's definitely a good point. As long as the snow is not crazy deep, it's definitely a good opportunity, a good time to really be able to tell what the deer are doing and how they're using, you know, the landscape or the property or whatever. I, I've actually been kind of blown away by that myself. Really, the only time I've gone into the farm is to put feet out. And we basically drive, there's a, an old, what was a logging road. It goes all the way through the farm, and, and I'm driving back to the center of the farm, putting feet out and leaving. But it's cool, like, to get up in the bed of the truck and look and see all the trails coming from every direction and how they use that. It's, it's an awesome time to kind of get a two-for-one and scout and shed hunt a little bit to really tell how they're using the terrain and stuff like that. Pretty neat to see. It is time for this week's Vortex Nation Highlight. Last week, we talked about bow maintenance. Now, let's talk a little bit about arrow maintenance. Now, again, if you're in the market for a new bow or checking how things flew for you this past season, maybe you're under spine, over spine, all that type of stuff, look at your arrows or start doing them yourself if you're already not doing it. Trust me, that's the first thing that I started doing when I started working on my own gear and feeling more comfortable with it. Just buy a jig, go buy a plastic one, 30 bucks. Or if you need one, hit me up. I got an extra one and I'll be gladly to send that to you. So work on your own gear. Have fun with it. Tinker around. Shout out to Elk Shape. Always be tinkering. Yeah, that's the one area that I'm I'm itching to get back home for like right now just because of i've been getting actually quite a few on my cell cameras back at home in northeast pa where i hunt up on a this ground is actually private but it's all mountain terrain big woods it's there's no food plots no nothing it's just you know kind of like what dimitri and i hunt here on, on public it's just a private spot basically like that back at home that my dad and i well my whole life and my dad had for the last 40 years has been doing lately when i've been getting these deer on camera you could see the snow thing away inch by inch by inch and i texted my dad this morning with a with a deer going by and i'm like i gotta get in i gotta come up just because that like we we got a lot more mature deer on camera and in seeing them in person too while we were hunting this past season and kind of just what dimitri just said i want to get that you know how are these deer moving and, yeah. and seeing because i know even towards the end of the late season i think my dad went up there and i think we had a little bit of snow back at home and we didn't get it here yet and he went up and he just walked around more up on that top and dropped down a little bit and he's like holy cow like just this one ridge where you know like i said he's been hunting that for 40 years and he just couldn't believe the type of trail and just the, how many like you know deer were, were using that how beaten down and how many footprints and all that type of stuff so he uh I'm anxious to get back just because we almost got a brand new like breath breath of fresh air to hunt that up there and just like we're gonna 
almost what we've done for years, just not necessarily throw it out the window, but we're going to focus on a whole different spot up there and, and see what we've got yeah. going on. Heck yeah. Sounds exciting to me. Where's home for you, Jeremy? So Demetri and I, we live here just outside of State College, Pennsylvania, uh, but I grew up in northeastern yep. PA, so it's a town called Hazleton, so it's actually like 40 minutes south of Scranton, Okay, so it's an hour 40, maybe yeah. two from New York City. Uh, just going straight across, and then you know maybe an hour forty north of Philadelphia. So, okay, I got you. Beautiful area. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I some of my friends are are one really good friend Tim and another one Tom. I mean, there's they're constantly. I mean, some of the photos and camera f- uh, videos that they had deer this past year up on uh, for on their trail cameras were just incredible. I mean, just if those caliber deer were here. Uh, oh my gosh! Could you imagine just mm-hmm. the people around here? What they would get? I mean, <laughs> just just for instance, our buddy Tom. We call him Drop Time Tom, just because for lot, two years ago he killed one with the drop time, and uh, this past year I think he had two on camera, two different bucks with the drop time, and so yeah, his Drop Time Tom is is his nickname. It's just nuts. Holy cow! Yeah. Just, Sounds like I need to come to Pennsylvania. Yeah, <laughs> but the area too, like he's so like. What's frustrating for him is the fact that where he hunts up there, there's no cell service, like zero zip. It doesn't matter what cell camera you put yeah. in there, you're not getting anything. So it's so he he logs the miles and you know he earns everything that he's gotten. And I mean, there's been and Tom didn't actually kill a buck this year, but I mean, he was on him, he was in them, and he no like he just just un, you know just didn't work out at the time but man it's just it's fascinating to see how just you know we get western pa people early on just s- slamming hammers and i mean we still got them here there's no doubt about it uh i'm not you know i'm not saying that we don't it's just it's it's just neat to see how our state has been able to grow you know really cool big bucks and and uh you know lots of them it's just it's neat and just to have the opportunity yeah. to go after i mean i came across the buck pitcher from a couple of years ago, Dimitri, that you, we had on camera that oh, it was on your camera, that, that crab claw one. Mm-hmm. I mean, holy cow. Yeah, it was a freaking monster. <laughs> and, you know, here in PA, we had, we're a short drive to uh, shed hunt for elk sheds as yeah. well. Yeah, you where know, we I are. Mean, half hour, 45 yeah. minutes. We're, we're in state game lands that were national forest that, that gives us that opportunity as well. Yeah. Yeah, which is unbelievable. That's incredible. Yeah. Now, I know uh, a buddy of mine finally got a chance to meet Dan Smeltz in person, but uh, that's uh, he he found an elk shed last year. Uh, I believe it was last year, and uh, so we were, we were talking about that as well and up in Dubois area and stuff like that. So, yeah, if we have that opportunity. I think this year we're going to finally try to make that one happen, just spend a day going up there just because, man, it, there's a lot of elk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I wish I wish they gave a few more tags, <laughs> just because, yeah. just for another oppor- you know, just another little sliver chance. But no, that's that's one one uh, scouting trip that I want to make. And who knows? Like maybe we get in some really cool whitetail stuff that you make a trip a weekend or something like that with with some buddies. You know, just yeah. you never know. And that's that's the beauty. I think that's the one area that you you and I the past this past season really explored other areas and you know we can continue to scout those but scout other areas yeah absolutely how do you turn like we kind of talked a little bit about it but how do you turn scouting shed hunting right now to like 
targeting maybe like a next year buck or how do you get ready how do you use your information now shed hunting to get ready for next season with either targeting a specific buck or you come across a brand new area or you know maybe a spot where you found a shed that you never really went into before and you're like oh wow and you scout that area around how do you turn that into maybe next year's hunt yeah i mean you definitely just kind of log all the information i know early you had we'd started out by talking about tips and Mm -hmm. definitely right now it's about being patient but but to kind of my go-to is always once i find the food source um, is for whatever reason here in Indiana, it's always been about edges. Obviously whitetails are edge creatures, you know, they like edge. And I find myself, anytime I find a good food source, I always want to walk the perimeter of the fields. And that's where I find most of my sheds. It, it seems like, um, but when walking those edges, I mean, that's where you, you can figure out where they're coming, coming and going, you know, where they're jumping the fence and coming into the field or where they're exiting and stuff like that and keeping that stuff in mind. Uh, and then like you say, this time of year is, you know, we got a, we got sanctuaries that we try to never go in really, mm-hmm. um, except for this time of year. And so you slip in there and you can learn a lot about, you know, where they're bedding and where they're spending time and logging that information and remembering it come next fall, um, definitely can pay off big, big time for sure. What about someone that, you know, has a sanctuary that they, you know, typically don't go in there, but, you know, you, you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, this is the time that they go in there, whether they're scouting or shed hunting, you know, if someone's afraid to bump deer or, you know, don't want to push any deer, maybe they have a smaller parcel where they don't want to push them off their property. Is that something they should be concerned of or is things you've seen in the past that even though you might bump them off, like you said, for a week or a couple of weeks, are they going to come back or as long as that, uh, you know, bedding source and, and safety is there for them? Yeah. I mean, I mean, number one, food sources are so limited right now. If they're there, they're there for a reason more than likely. So, if you bump them yeah in my opinion they're going to come back it's no different than like me driving into my farm right now it it seems it's frustrating it seems like more times than not driving in there we jump them but i may go in at three o'clock and leave and by 345 i've got deer back in there already and if you do jump a buck like you go into a bedding area right now shed hunting and you jump a buck up out of there there's a long time for forgiveness between now and next season i mean there's no doubt about it. They're, they're going to, they're going to forgive that intrusion and they're going to be back if that's a place they want to be. How are you, I know you've talked about like how you're using trail cameras. Like I know, like I said, I still have some of my cell cameras back at home that are still on and, and we leave them up basically all, all year until, you know, if I go back in there, we move them around a little bit. Um, and I know the one camera that I still have up, that's a cell camera where Dimitri and I both live. I haven't really gotten any deer, moving on that like whatsoever how do you strategize your cameras to maybe find more sheds this time of year i don't know if you as long as you can legally like that's i talked about supplemental feeding but the last few years we've we've really keyed in on that a lot this time of year for for a number of reasons coming out of the rut i I think they can use all the help they can get and recovering from that and you know like here there's i've got a couple bucks that had been shot at some point during the season and they're wounded and you know trying not only survive the winter but recover from these injuries and stuff so if we can keep feed out there consistently i feel like it really helps them pull through and too just in like in the last couple of years we've we've got to see a number of bucks as two and three year olds that make this humongous leap that i i can't help but feel like us feeding didn't play some part in that but also like you know i've, I've found three sheds so far this year 
and all three of them were within 30 yards of our feed sites. And, and that's honestly a huge reason why we do it is because they're going to stay tight to that feed. And, you know, last year, for instance, I have a shed sitting here on my grandpa's farm. So having self cameras running, we, uh, I got a picture of this deer at like 11 o'clock at night and the kids enjoy getting, seeing it too. You know, we talk about it just about every day about the deer on there and they've, they've named them all and stuff, but this deer's name was Lewis and he came in at 11 o'clock at night, had both sides and was feeding. And I got a picture of him. He turned around and he, he had shed out in front of the camera. His shed was laying at his feet. And so I showed the kids and they were, they're like, let's go get it. Let's go get it. I'm like, it's 1130 at night. <laughs> like, you know what? Screw it. Let's go get it. So yeah. we literally drove out there at 1130 at night and picked this thing up. And, um, over the course of last season, I don't know, four weeks or so, we found, I think, six or seven sheds in the feed at my grandpa's because they spend so much time there. So that would be one big one. If you can supplemental feed, I would say do it. This is the time to do it for sure. Um, but aside from that is, is like my other camera. So I have one camera that is designated to feed. And then other than that, I kind of just shuffle them around, and really it's mind-blowing to me that – uh, the camera that's on our big time, I have, I have at the south end of my bean plot, and I've got another one 50 yards north facing the beans. And how many times I'll get deer coming from the north that never walk by the camera that's 50 yards north? You know, I mean, yeah, just you, you just I don't know. I feel like I move them around a lot just to figure out where they're coming from, where they're going. Um, but to you know, right now, like you say, talking about snow. We had gone in to a farm, one of my buddy's farms last week and found where there must have been a hot oak that they hadn't eaten all the acorns for it from. And there was like a 50 or 60 yard circle that was just absolutely Dang. shredded where they're digging, digging pollen for acorns. So that's a spot where I would slip in there and try to get a camera on that stuff. And just, but right now is the yeah. time to go in and try to find where they're spending time. You can see the sign. Right. Two sheds that I have. One, actually both of them, my, my pup found with me just randomly. Uh, one was just uh, just by like a little like in a thicket of pines kind of bedding just outside of bedding and I just right near there was a, a rub so kind of like what Dimitri was saying how he found a rub and it was kind of fresh I think that was even from like the year prior or, or that or, or just late or whatever it was but the other one that I found with him was on a deer trail the one that we've told the story about earlier when you found that that was on a trail and then I think back to when the one that we found with your dad turkey hunting that was on a trail so like for us here in the big woods i feel like if we're not finding them in the bedding areas it's it's that trail pretty close by pretty probably close. on the edge or yep. inside the bedding area yeah so that's kind of yeah. like that's kind of like for us and that's you know kind of using that strategy like i said when i get back home that's what i want to try to try to implement for myself yeah, and, and too, like if I were if I were going to designate cameras on trails, mm-hmm. I would probably look for areas too, like as far as shed hunting goes, mm-hmm. where they're going to jump a fence or jump a creek or jump a log and stuff like that. I know even here we've found a lot of sheds in places like that, uh, just where they're going to they're going to get jarred from from that jump. Force. Yeah, that 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 force. I like it. Yeah, so cameras yeah. have definitely yep. caused us to get a lot less sleep, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It, I literally joke about this all the time. Like I'm probably above and beyond, but I literally probably still, I mean, it's February. There's no reason to be overly amped up about cell cameras right now, but no joke. I wake up two or three, three times a night, every night 
wanting to check this like right now it's to see if these bucks have shed out because they're there all night long yep but yeah cell cameras have absolutely ruined my sleep habits <laughs> how many how many girlfriends or wives have thought that their their husband or boyfriend have been cheating uh, on them because they're waking up in the middle of the night like scrolling <laughs> through their phone thinking that they're yeah. texting somebody yeah. else but we're actually looking yeah, for, for trail camera pics <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. But they, they're awesome, though. That's for sure. It's Christmas morning every morning, I feel like. No, well, like when you talk about like hunting back at home, like especially in Indiana, Dwayne, like where, what kind of setup do you usually try to go? Like I know you have, like you said, you have that farm, farmland, basically the ag and, you know, are you uh, like, how, how do you approach your, your, your hunting property? So... This the, the farm that we bought is half and half woods and agriculture ground basically, and this season was definitely a memorable one. I guess it was it was quite the learning experience for sure. Um, I, I basically tried to learn. So this year too, I, I used the Novix Hilo setup a bunch mm-hmm. um, and tried to do a lot of hanging hunts, just knowing that I was gonna be trying to figure this farm out. And instead of, you know, going in and putting a permanent stand up and then having to move it 20 or 30 yards, I did a ton of hanging hunts trying to learn this, but it's, I really just tried to hunt the perimeters and stay out of the chorus stuff, um, until like the first, first or second week in November. And I started kind of pushing into those bedding areas and stuff like that a little bit. Um, but because of the cameras, I had a good idea of what, what they're doing, you know, where they're feeding, where they're spending time and it was just trying to stay out until we had cold fronts and uh just really being careful because i I definitely made some mistakes in there where doing the hanging hunts actually kind kind of got me a couple times especially in the mornings i I would try to slip in and be in there an hour and a half before dark and be three sticks up getting ready to put my stand on a deer come in and bust me it happened a couple times and and two, like that was another thing is learning how to how to get in and out without spooking deer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's a lot of it was a you know a lot of evenings until about Halloween, and then started hunting mornings a little bit and had some incredible hunts. I never did connect with one, but uh, it w- it was really fun trying to figure it out. It had a lot of great encounters. There was only there was really only one one deer that I was interested in shooting on our home farm. We had one four year old and had a couple of encounters with him. Uh, but it was just mainly, I guess, this year after November, it was it was hunting close to bedding and I had some unbelievable hunts. Just never, never close enough or never the right deer. Right. You brought up a good point of the, you know, getting busted more so of like getting in there, slipping in and, and entry and exit. And we've talked a little bit about that. And I think that's like a, I, I mean, probably other podcasts have talked about this as well. Just saying like, that's just a, a key aspect. I think that's really not touched upon. You know what I mean? Like, I just think of how critical that is. And even for when I talk about going back home to hunt, like for for us and certain spots where we go and hunt, we don't necessarily have that great cover or being able to slip in other than if the wind's right. Is there anything being that that it's your property and you're, you're able to, you know, maybe plant something or is there anything that like now you see like, Hey, I I might try to do this because of, you know, the wind was typically doing this. And uh, is there any uh, future plans for your, for your property for that? Yeah, there are. So 
then too this year i kind of learned on the fly that the farm we bought is actually a little bit hilly for here there there are some ridges and hills and stuff like that and finally after making some mistakes i had gone in and i can access from the neighbors the guy that we bought from still owns a huge chunk of ground north of us and, and i can access from him and there was some drainage ditches that come from basically our field and our, our ground is high and everything slopes away and so I would, I would use those drainages, and I took nice. ended up taking a handsaw one day and trimmed an access through that drainage literally to the base of my stand and ended up using those to get to and from my stand, and it worked really well. I just I made some mistakes before we did that. Um, but, yeah, I, I talked about going in and frost-seeding switchgrass, and a huge reason why we're doing that is, is for screens. This coming year we're going to have – more plots than we did this year but with that i feel like you have to be careful with how you access that you you know having more food you're going to attract more deer but there's also more potential to spook them and and you do that a few times and and your property's you know ruined can sometimes for the season so we're gonna we're gonna screen those with switchgrass or um if it's something that i want to do a little more it doesn't need to be permanent like we we know we may change some stuff several different food plot companies we, we work with big time they make a, a annual called borderline mm-hmm. that is a screen and uh, we'll make a screen basically to where i can walk through a tunnel of grass to get to the stand so even if there's deer close by as long as you know we're not making a bunch of noise we can get in and out without without bumping deer so yeah, yeah. that's definitely in the plans for this year yeah and we use dimitri and i both use mountain bikes more more so than ever before you guys will probably laugh about this have you ever heard of or seen one wheel Yep. So, so while, when we lived in the Carolinas, I had bought my son and daughter for Christmas one year a one-wheel pint. And for, if, if anybody doesn't know what this is, it's basically like a skateboard that has one big go-kart wheel in the middle, and it's electric. And these things will go like 15 or 20 miles on a charge, and they'll go 16, 17 miles an hour. Yep. So, like, they're legit. So where I would park at my farm, I said, you know, we were accessing from the North. If I were, if I were to walk that, it was probably a mile and a half to go out and around to get to the, to the start of that drainage ditch. And I got to where I would just pack up all my stuff and jump on that one wheel and zip <laughs> all the way in there because I can go 16 miles an hour. It's completely silent. You got a big rubber wheel. So I'm not leaving scent on the ground. And it, it was just, dude, it was awesome. Yeah. Like Adam Perry from day six, he came up and shot some stuff with me here a month or so ago and I busted it out and he, he, he was even going on about me. That's a great idea. But yeah, like an e-bike would be, would be amazing. I couldn't imagine. Actually had a chance. Uh, we went camping this summer as, as a family and one of our family friends joined us and, and, uh, he brought his and he was like, Hey, did you ever get on one? I was like, no, he's like, here, try it. And you know, I used to mess around with the skateboard back in the day like you know when i was in middle school yeah. and, and stuff like that and i got on this thing it was a little bit of a learning curve so as you're saying this i'm like man i would hit that one rock and boom <laughs> there there would go all my equipment I, launch it. yep i'd be launched and <laughs> right. my bow would be busted right. up and i'd be done for but uh dude that's i mean it works i mean i could definitely see that because yeah. i mean they are they're super quiet there's no noise it's just like you know it's just talking about entry and exit i mean for us hunting public ground you know we're hunting larger pieces of of public where you know we talk about it you know there's usually only one road uh mm-hmm. point um but there's always a way to come in through like other areas uh to get to the same spot which we've had trouble getting away from people right but I think, you know, too, another strategy we need to implement a little bit better is, you know, 
all those other people are going to access those properties from the easiest point where, you know, we shouldn't enter, you know, whether you're in the morning. So, you know, it's not just getting away from these people. It's just coming in a different way. And, and, you know, obviously they're going to almost not deer drive, but bump those deer, right? Because of that bad entry. Um, But we're going to be, you know, kind of on that other side where, where those deer are going to funnel into, Um, you know, and I think, you know, you hear about public ground being crowded and you just got to get away, get away, get away. But, you know, that's not always the case, right? You know, and I think we just need to kind of access those properties and pieces a little bit differently of how we go in, even if we have to walk a little bit further. Yeah. Um, but, you know, know where those people, we kind of know where they're going to go in and park and access that property. Um, but we just need to kind of, you know, yeah. strategize that a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I just think kind of like, I mean, going into even this past season of some of those spots, like, yeah, we didn't have good encounters, but we had encounters on our trail cameras. It's just wrong time, wrong, you know, all that type of stuff. But, uh, like, we got in sign up there that we never, I I mean, we never caught in-season sign like that before either. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that helped us kind of come up with a certain game plan and, uh, kind of again, you know, didn't connect the dots, but at the same time, we we connected different dots, basically, and uh, kind of can lead us into what what we're going to hopefully scout around and see different things and see what next year has in store for us with it. Now, talking about you, you do some supplemental feeding in the off season, and you know what, you know, if it's legal for other people in other states and. You know, you hunt kind of ag field, farmland, but, you know, maybe someone has kind of here in Pennsylvania, um, you know, a large chunk of land that's more wooded and, and big woods, um, but they want to do some some feeding uh, on their property as well. Do you think that uh, that's going to hold certain deer? Because you said, like, if that's the only feed for, you know, long distance, that a lot of those deer are going to come into that. But obviously is, you know, spring and then summer, um, rolls around the feed source is going to change a little bit and then obviously when you get closer to the season if it's not legal to the you do that feeding while the season's in place um, obviously those deer are going to look for that that food source you know is that still going to bring in deer to feed now that long term for the season um, that could potentially stay on your property or do you think it just kind of depends on what that other food source is that's going to overtake that when it gets closer to the season yeah i mean it does kind of depend but like this past year my grandpa so my grandpa's farm i hunt exactly one mile from one of my best friends tj unger and he, he and i a lot of times have pictures of the same bucks and uh, what, whether it's now or whether it's the middle of the summer, I, I definitely feel like the feed holds them close. I mean, it, it's for sure preferred. It's not going to be their only food source, obviously. But there was times this past summer he and I were hunting the two same bucks, basically. And it was unbelievable to me all summer long. I, I would put feed out, and they were hitting it three or four times a day every single day from May to September when we pulled it. So, I mean – it definitely holds them, whether it's now or summertime. Um, I mean, depending, obviously, it depends on what you feed and, and where you live, too. But I would think even more so in a place like Pennsylvania where there's not a ton of ag and maybe not, aside from, like, you know, woody brows and 
I'm sure there's some, some ag here and there, but with, without all the different options, I would imagine supplemental feeding there would, would make a huge difference and probably really hold some deer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what I mean. I mean, I, you know, I wrote down just like our key things, like for what we have to think about is bedding, the food sources, and then that, you know, the trail system of what they're using. I think, you know, kind of like how I said earlier, you know, the first thing I used to do is just walk, you know, and just cut, you know, try to find that needle in the haystack basically. But now it's like, okay, let's, let's look at the map. Let's strategize. Okay. Here's the bedding. Here's, you know, where, where, uh, they're, the big trails are going and kind of like what you said too, Dwayne is those structures where maybe the buck has to jump over or maneuver around. And, yeah. uh, cause like even the area that I was walking into today, I mean, shoot any, I mean, I had, I mean, there was more times I was doing this walking through things just cause it was so nasty and thick that buck could get his antlers hung up on anything. And I was just, I was just grazing, looking to nonstop, but, um, Cause there were some good trails, you know, and that's what I was doing. Like once, once it would, it would open up, you know, you would get through that thick, nasty stuff and then it would open up that little bit, but no, that's good, man. I like it. And what do you got? Do you have anything else? I'm trying yeah. to think for, for scouting. What else, what else could we be looking for Dwayne while we're heading out scouting right now? I'm trying to find some sheds. Man, I was just going to say like, obviously it, it's more meaningful to find a shed to a deer that, you know, you're going to be able to hunt. But just in the way of finding sheds, um, you know, we do a lot this time of year just while we're out looking around, like, say, look for – if you're seeing deer herded up somewhere, you see an awesome food source, somebody didn't get beans out or there's still a little bit of corn standing or whatever it may be, um, just about anybody – I say just about anybody – a lot of people will let you shed hunt. So, you know, as we see these places, we're, we're definitely not hesitant to go up and knock on a door, That's ask a permission. Point. And over the years, we've found some really awesome farms. There's a farm that – me and me and another one of my best friends found probably 10 years ago now it's just ag some ag ground right on the river bottom uh they cut a lot of grain for silage but they always leave a little bit and 10 years ago he and i asked permission to shed hunt and these guys were like oh yeah please we run over them every year with the tractor we're always blowing out tractor tires and so he and i went in and, and i think we were there that day we just had an hour to shed hunt and found six or seven sheds in that hour and we're totally blown away and <laughs> Ever since then, year after year after year, this has been one of our best farms. But, it, you know, it's still awesome. It's still fun to go in and find sheds, and you never know what you're going to stumble upon. So if you just want to get out and put some miles on and find sheds, just keep an eye out. Like, where you, wherever you see deer, look it up on, on X or HuntWise or Spartan Forge or whatever you use and figure out who the owner is and knock on the door. You know, tell them you want to help them save a tractor tire, and more <laughs> yeah. than likely they're going to let you go. Well, yeah, go ahead. Well, that, I mean, even you saying that is it makes a good point of – building relationship you never know you ask a farmer yeah. that you want to shed hunt right because if you go up to somebody and you know um you know knocking on doors which is it isn't a bad thing but uh nine out of ten times someone's going to tell you if you go straight up to him and be like hey i want to hunt your farm you know they're probably going to say no right you know, <laughs> here, right yeah. away if you ask and you come up yeah. front which isn't a bad thing yeah. but you're going to get lucky once in a while um but typically you know you know what a farmer's like. He doesn't know who you are and he's probably going to say no. But, you know, like you said, if you go up and say, Hey, can I shed hunt your farm? And he's like, yeah, no problem. Like you said, like, Hey, that's going to save my tractor tire, blah, blah, blah. Well, you do that maybe a year, two years goes by. You kind of build that relationship. It's a great, great opportunity to build that and kind of get to know him. And then maybe it's like, 
you know, it's like, man, I found these sheds and, you know, you kind of blatantly get around and he's like, well, you know, why don't you hunt that deer? Or, you know, yeah. like maybe you can hunt my farm, you know? So it's kind of that opportunity to kind of build relationships with people instead of just knocking and just asking straight up for permission to hunt. Yep. Yeah, man, a hundred percent. You couldn't be more spot on than to another little tip going with that is <clears throat> I've tried over the years to avoid using the word hunt as silly as that sounds, but, um, there's been a few people where we've knocked on their door and, you know, they maybe even were anti-hunters completely against hunting. But you go up there on Sunday after church and knock on the door and introduce yourself and say, hey, me and my family just like to find deer antlers. Do you mind if we walk your property and look for deer antlers? You get a lot of yeses, even from people that are totally against hunting because you're not hunting. hunting but then, like yeah. you say, never know when, <clears throat> when you know, a couple of years of doing that and building relationships – what it's going to lead to at some point they say hey we're, we're seeing way too many deer and they're tearing up our flower beds why don't you you might help us helping us out yeah just never know so and to even go off we of, have a blast with it yeah to go off of both of you i mean i i think you go out and you see new terrain features something that you're learning from and and you could learn something you know what i mean so it's like a whole yeah it's a whole win-win situation of okay here's what we saw yeah i mean it's a great yeah, man opportunity to get out and you know i mean it's like you said it's only been a month after the season ended and it's already driving me crazy and <laughs> driving my wife crazy because she's like you know i'm watching constantly hunting videos and she's <laughs> like don't you get sick of those and i'm like no i never do no. and it's i mean i just dying no. that the season's over and i can't mm-hmm. wait till october rolls around so uh it's a great time just to Absolutely. get out and kind of burn some calories and yeah. you know get that hunting fix a little bit dude that's exactly how i was today too i'm like i'm walking that and i told myself today i I looked at my watch and i was like okay by this time i I need to take these quick photos of certain things and and begin my walk back just to get home and and be with them and stuff and like as that time came i was like dang i just want to keep walking you know what i mean and just like move around and scout around and you know it didn't dawn on me that like until i said it a few minutes ago and i was like yeah it's only been a month you know what I mean? It's like, holy cow, I just, yeah. I, you know, when you just, you love it so much. And it's just, again, we've talked about doing different things for hunting that keeps you involved in the hunt. And, you know, it's just, you love it. I love it. Yeah. Yep. And that time is here, man. The next two, three weeks, there, there's not a better time of the year to get out and find some sheds. So yeah. it's definitely getting exciting. Well, and like running the shed season page, getting I'm it, like I've noticed the the DMs picking up more and more yep. and more here. Like this week, it's been insane the last few days, which I love to see it. You know, obviously means more and more bucks are shedding out. So I'm getting so fired up, I can't hardly stand it. I'm going to have to get out here in the next yep. few days. Yep. What do people need to do for this contest? Like talk about that, Dwayne, before we wrap things up, and you know what to expect. I know you said it's going to be the next ten weeks, but how do people enter, or what what do people need to do? Like, do we need to find sheds? Like, what's What's the process and what can we expect and what's to come? Nope. So we're going to post all the details on our social pages, but basically how it's going to work is on Fridays, every, every Friday is going to start the new week's uh, giveaway and you're going to be prompted to go to shedseason.com and just subscribe to shedseason.com. That's it. You're going to type in your email, hit submit, and uh, we'll use, you know, some kind of an app that randomly picks a winner every week and it's going to be pretty awesome. I mean, there's some pretty cool little kits from First Light, and we're get, like I said, we've got lacrosse boots. Um, 
the shed dog, dog bone hunter. We've got products from them. Uh, I know Huntwise is giving away an elite membership every week for 10 weeks. Vortex, there's all kinds of stuff. It's pretty awesome. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Every Friday we'll be posting details on it. And then I think we'll be announcing the winners every Wednesday. Awesome. So starting this Friday for the next 10 weeks. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome, dude. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you, you having me on. Heck yeah. Well, everybody, those of you that are, that joined in on, on Bullhorn Live and, and listened to this, thank you again for, for checking that out. Thanks to Dwayne coming on and we'll have to uh we'll have to get ready here once the season uh shed season's wrapping up and the spring is wrapping up and we're getting ready for the season. We'll have to come back on and uh talk about how the season uh, ahead is gonna be mapping out for you. That'd be cool to do. Yeah. See yeah, what you we'll find. Do a, do a shed season wrap up and start to talk, talk turkeys a little bit or yeah, something. Yeah, because I saw it, you know, get after those gobblers. I like it. I was, oh, I, yeah. I was driving the, the missus nuts already. I was already practicing. I was busting out the call. Even though yeah, I don't get I, a, I don't get a chance to get out much, but I I always just like driving them crazy do, doing it. My dog goes nuts too. He just gets all fired <laughs> no, up. He's like, yeah. He just goes nuts. Yeah, heck yeah. But no, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody else for, for listening. Until next time. Antler up. That's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in and all the support. Check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our Go Wild accounts. Really appreciate, again, all the support. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week. Antler Up.